you're listening to a special bonus episode of All In, featuring Don't Miss This host, Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. If you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you didn't hear of Don't Miss This in 2019, I'm pretty sure you must have been living under a rock. But guess what? We believe in second chances, and this year, believe me when I say you don't want to miss this. The Don't Miss This YouTube channel is followed by 77,000 people worldwide who have fallen in love with hosts David Butler and Emily Bell Freeman. I count myself lucky to be one of them. This is All In, an LDS Living podcast where we ask the question, what does it really mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm Morgan Jones, and I am so grateful to have my friends David Butler and Emily Bell Freeman with me. David, why are you laughing already? I'm just happy. I'm just like happy to be here. (laughs) That was the hardest time to get through that little intro because David was looking like he was about to... This is my happy face. Perfect. Okay. Well, I am so happy to be here too, in truth. And the reason is because I am a huge fan of Don't Miss This. Everybody knows that. I tell everybody that I know that they need to watch it or listen to it if they haven't already been. And I think, though, that it's actually like deeper for me than just I like it. I think that Come Follow Me has been so inspired, the curriculum put together by the church. I am so grateful for it. And I think that one thing that has made that a really transformative experience for me this year has been your contribution through Don't Miss This. So first of all, thank you. Oh, thank you yeah, for that's saying so that. Kind. But it's really nice of you. Second, I, I know that, Emily, you posted recently on Instagram about how this was just kind of like a, do you want to come over and record this video? <laughs> Tell us how you originally had the idea for Don't Miss This. Okay, so this is kind of a crazy story. But I was in Denver. I had gone out for an NFL game. I was going to watch Garrett. And I don't even know what you were doing. Were you even in Utah? Who knows? We never know. Um, and I teach an institute class on Thursdays. And all of my ladies— because. Come Follow Me had just been announced. I remember when it got announced and everyone was like, what are we going to do? Like, how do we do it? How do we know what to do? And none of us really knew what was going to happen. And, Pandemonium. Yes. And the ladies were like, just tell us what you're going to do. And then that's what we're going to do. And I was like, well, that won't work because my kids aren't the same ages as your kids are. And we like talked about it for a couple of weeks. And then- And then remember we did that. I just remembered this, that question and answer. I came over to the church for the oh, institute right. class and it was like- Question and answer. And I, I think it was after that that we first were like, well, I think we said it to the ladies. It was like, should we like maybe put video? together some? It wasn't even yeah. a video yet because it was like, do you want to know? Like, could could we give a couple tips each week or things we like? or And then, yeah, it's yeah. all the ladies. Or and something. then we had Christmas and we lived our lives. And then it was about five days before January. That I was like, should we really do that? Like, I feel like we maybe should really do that. It'd be so helpful for this little institute class ladies. And so I called him up and I'm like, I think we could do it. Like, I don't think it would be that hard to do it. And we kind of talked about what we would do and what it would look like. And and I was like, do you think you can figure out YouTube? It can't be that hard. I can't figure it out, but I maybe you could figure it out. And we talked about that. And and I think I'd posted like one video on YouTube in my life, like me rolling down a hill. Yeah. Like I was holding the phone while I was rolling down the Sounds hill. Sounds riveting. I, yeah. I hope you can find that for us. So he was going to do that. And I was standing on top of their um, 
chairs in their family room trying to get a picture of my scriptures and some other piece of paper that I was like, yeah, we can just put this on Instagram and, and become follow me manual. And our ladies will know exactly what to do because that's who followed us was our institute ladies. And I was like, I think it'd be really easy. I think we could do it. So we did. We got together in my basement. And like, um, what was it? December... 30th or yes. something like that. Yeah, right yeah. after I got back. And we had given Megan a chalkboard for her birthday when she was like nine that no one uses anymore. So I was like, we can totally do it over there by that chalkboard. We could use the chalkboard if we ever need it when we're teaching. And Remind me to tell you a chalkboard story when you're, when you're done. Can't okay. Keep and we— It's relevant. Um, and we decided, <laughs> okay, we'll do one. So we did one. We put it up, and it was fine. Like, it worked. And then we were like, did another one, and— it's about, like Christian saw the first episode the other day because it's still on YouTube, the very first one. And he's like, what was wrong with the camera angle? Like, what were you guys doing? Was, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't we just know. set it up. And then all of a sudden, three weeks later, like so many people had watched the video. And I can remember calling him up because we were like, we'll just do it for a couple weeks. Yeah. And then people will like be in the hang of it and they'll know what to do. And I called him up and I was like, we're not going to be able to stop this. <laughs> like, like we may have overcommitted what we were going to do. Yeah, you're like once a week we we have to do this. Yes. That's quite the commitment. Yeah. I this is weird, but every time that I imagine in my mind like fame growing, I think of the movie That Thing You Do. Do you know oh, that movie? Yeah. You know That's when like their song movie. is on the ra- radio and they start running through the so town. Good. It's like, oh wow, we didn't anticipate that this was going to blow up. But don't miss this; absolutely has blown up, and it's everywhere. Like people talk about it everywhere you go. Um, David, did you want to share a chalkboard story? Oh, because yeah. we really <laughs> wanted to hear about it. <laughs> no, this is so funny. That chalkboard is so funny. Well, Be- now you've even gotten a remodel. In the basement, right? Yeah. We put stuff up around the... Who loves to when Megan one day texted and said, I think I want that chalkboard back. (laughs) Sorry. It's like a main character of the show. You can't have it. You can auction it The most important part of our set. Like Jones, my little Jones, woke up. um, He's named after Morgan. Uh, He woke (laughs) up. uh, It was like 6 in the morning or like 5.30. And he comes in like sleepy face, like rubbing his eyes in the bathroom in the morning. His hair is just all wild. And I was like, hey, dude. And he's not really looking at me. And I was like, "Are you, what's up? Do you have to go to the bathroom or something? You know, he's like um, seven. Okay. And he was like, mm-hmm. and I was like, what's what's going on? He was like, I just have a question. And I was like, what? He was like, that chalkboard on Don't Miss This, how did it get there? <laughs> I, I, I was like, oh, I think it was just there. And he goes, Okay. <laughs> and then he just leaves. So people are even dreaming about don't miss oh, this. I actually I actually am really glad that you brought this up because I was thinking about it and how funny it is. So there are some important things that people have reached out to you guys about. One, are you married? Guys, they're not married. Second Even though whose dad insists that we're married. Oh, Brooke Romney. <laughs> she and her dad like is insistent that we're married. We had to prove him wrong at the Salt Lake timeout. Yeah, I did event. like bring Greg. Yeah, yeah. And Jenny. I was like, I walked out with Jenny and I was like, this is Jenny. Yeah. She's my wife. And he was like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> that is hilarious. And then people have sent you uh money for clothes. We've got $100 in the mail one time. It was, it was so, so cute. Yeah. This man was like, we just, we just want to help. We don't even know how to help, but we just want to help. Yeah. So 
We got a one hundred dollar so, bonus yeah, one day. It was awesome. So nice. And then I we hope just that got that other spent... one. Remember from my friend at yes. work, the dean, who just tried to be secret, but I know her handwriting so well. I was like, the dean, I know this is from you. She's like, I just want to help. How can I help? Okay, so my next question is, how did how did you come up with the name? Don't miss this. Oh, okay, Megan. So. See how Megan is an integral part of Don't yeah. Miss This? We don't That's even know. why she should get the chalkboard. I said to Megan, we need to think of what we're going to call this because what we want it to be is we want to teach people these are the things you don't want to not see in this section. Like right. there's there's certain parts that we're just like, you got to make sure you see this and make sure you see this. And And Megan was just so fast. Why don't you just call it Don't Miss This? And I was like, oh. oh yeah, because we were texting back and so forth good. about it. How about this? How about that? And then I was like, oh, yeah. Good one. This is seriously like two days before like the yeah. new year when everybody starts it. So it was like. And we're both living just our life. So it's yeah. texts that are coming in and out. Right. Like every Throughout three the hours. Yeah. There's like. This is not like a strategic planning meeting. Exactly. No. Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> there strategic no in anything we ever us. do. <laughs> um, so so I love. So we have two two products, I guess, through Deseret Book and um, one through LDS Living. But we just say this. Hold on. About yes. don't miss this. Yes. Make sure you everyone knows it's about the scripture. Like, don't miss this in the scriptures. Right. Like, there, it's you're not, not saying don't, don't miss, miss us. This. Don't miss this, baby. <laughs> it's the scriptures. Um, okay, important important no. thing to establish. <laughs> yeah. So we have both the the workbook and then we have the what, – what is the devotional. name of the devotional, the devotional book? book. So yeah, study journal is, I think, what we call the one. Is that what we ended mm-hmm. up calling it? The study so journal. So don't miss the study journal uh-huh. and devotional book. I was reading through the devotional book yesterday, and it is so good. I'm, like, so excited. I'm already, like, getting my Book of Mormon ready. But I love the example that you give at the beginning about Disneyland and about what, like, that that's kind of your goal. Can you share with people what that was, what happened at Disneyland? Yes. So we had this crazy opportunity People probably don't even know this is for real life, but I had a friend reach out in January last year, and we were going through some really hard things at home, and he knew we were, and so that's why he reached out, and he was like, I have five passes to Disneyland I have to use before January. Why don't you go? Why don't you get Meg and your your husband and go? And I was like, okay, I, I'm going to take you up on it because that would be so good. And so the day before we left, he called and he's like, also, just as part of what we do, every so often we get a guide who can come and accompany you on your day. And he he is like a human fast pass. That's his job. So if he walks up to any ride, you will get to go to the front of the line. That anything, any ride you want to. We went on like nine rides in an hour and a half when we started that morning. And you love that he's Everybody like Everybody hates you. Would right you now. like something like that or no? And I'm like, uh, who passes yes. up the live fast pass guy? He wears a checkered vest, everybody. Yeah. So we met the man in the checkered vest, Michael, at this certain spot at eight o'clock in the morning. And he walked us through the entire park for the whole day. And not only did he get us on every ride first, but he would stop at certain places and he would be like, have you ever noticed this? Like, did you know there is a little tiny house right at the roots of a tree before you go on the Indiana Jones ride? It's tiny. It's when you go there next time, you will see it. Okay. Or the land, the, the candle that is always lit in the house that was Walt Disney's apartment on yeah. Main Street, always just so the spirit of Walt is there. We saw that. And everywhere we went, he was like, 
Oh, and let me show you this. You oh, saw the spirit of Walt? <laughs> I saw the spirit of Walt. Wow. It was a candle. Um, Annie knew the best places to get Dole Whip without having mm. to wait very long okay. for him. He very important information. All the tips of Disneyland. Everything. And when we left there, I was like, Disneyland will never be the same again. <laughs> like, I want to invite Michael every time I go to Disneyland. Yeah. Now. Just Which, meet in that secret spot. You just can. say, you're the, oh, who are you I'm looking in. for? They're like, it oh, does. the Bernstons. You're like, oh, that's us. It does. <laughs> yeah. You can get Michael. It just costs a lot of money. I realized <laughs> after it was over. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, that is what I want this experience through the Book of Mormon to be. That's what we want it to be. We want you to come in and we want it to be something that is fun and exciting and like something you have never done before. And I wrote in the introduction, if you want to imagine David in a checkered vest, <laughs> you totally can while you're reading the book. And don't you wish the book came with a Dole Whip? Yes. Me too. A little thing, coupon. I couldn't they, remember the they word. They do have Dole Whip at the Vivint Arena. A lot of people that listen to this aren't in Utah, but... Just so you know, I just saw it the other day. Oh, okay, I so it. I feel like the cool thing about Come Follow Me this year has been that, in my opinion, it has kind of reminded us as members of the church what being a member of a church is supposed to be and that ultimately the goal is to become disciples of Jesus Christ. I think that it's kind of created disciples again, rather than just people that go to church together. Mm. How have you seen that? Do you agree with that? Have you seen it? I love that what has happened is people have gotten into Scripture, and Scripture has become part of our conversations, has become part of what we're talking about, not just in our homes and in our families, but even with our friends within the community, it's become something that is familiar to us. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to myself just the other day, I I don't think I realized that I was missing that five years ago. But this year, watching it happen and, and being able to have these kinds of conversations with family members and friends has been something that I would, I would never want to go back to where we were a year ago. Yeah. I love where we are now. Yeah, people will come up and and say, you know, oh, you're, you know, don't miss this has like changed our family. It's changed our lives. And and that's not actually true. What has is God has, but they have found him in the scriptures. And somehow I think we've kind of helped get people over the barriers that were in the way to get into scripture. And now that we've kind of helped people climb over that, whatever it was, they I think they've found him you know, in the scriptures. And that's, that. I, that's the magic. Mm-hmm. That is what has happened. It's not us. It's, we've just helped people open the book, yeah. you know, and, and get into it. And that's, that's really where, where it's been. I mean, I, I was talking to my sister, the, I was just telling Emily this, that um, she was just talking about her husband's job and he was just kind of like, I just don't like love this job necessarily. And, you know, right now. And, and he says, I just, I, I, I love like, serving and I love, you know, being, helping people. And that's what I want to do with my time. And she and I were just talking about how the study of the Savior's life this year, like watching him do that has had an impact on, on their family. You know, Mm. it's just, we really think about him and his ministry so much more Mm -hmm. now than we did a year ago. Like it, it has honestly, like Jesus has become a real person to people, you know, that, that he's become someone that you 
have shared moments with and and are connected to now mm-hmm. and not you know he's come off the pages of scripture and into people's homes and lives and thoughts and that that is that's the beauty of mm-hmm. all of this and it's happened because we we cracked open his word yeah. you know I remember when I was younger, I think I was like 15, I went to EFY at BYU, and one of the teachers said that there had been a study done, and I've tried to find the study, can't find it anywhere, so maybe he made it up, but it it makes sense. We do that. We make he, sense. Said, um, <laughs> he said that there had been a study done, and they had asked students at BYU how often a week they thought about Jesus Christ, and most of them, it was like five minutes or less. And he's like, that isn't even the duration of the sacrament, you know? And I would say that I definitely fell into that category until maybe the last couple of years, this year especially, where it started to become more a part of my daily thoughts. Like, what would he do in this situation? How do I want to be like him in the way that I respond? I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to see how that, you're you're absolutely right. What have you learned most? Obviously, you already both knew the New Testament pretty well before we even got into this, but what have you learned most from this year's study of the New Testament about what it means to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Oh, I can go first, I guess. And and I think that um, what I've learned is that it's about the person of Jesus first. Like to be all in means to be all in, in relationship with him. And I mean, we've just talked about this all year, that he is just ready and willing and available to to be there and to be involved in, in our lives and our worries and our concerns and our hopes, dreams and all those things. And so to be all in really means that to me. Like I loved just watching people have one-on-one individual encounters with him throughout the New Testament. It's so easy to see there, obviously in the first part of it, but because we were so used to watching him minister like in the flesh with people, it was a lot easier to see him in the second half when he was invisible, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like not actually physically there, but it was like, oh, we're so used to seeing how you reach out to people and strengthen people from the first half. It's easier to see you in the second half. And I actually think that's going to make it as we go through mm-hmm. the book of Mormon, you know, just the same, but that's what I've learned. It's like, this is about a, a one-on-one relationship. I love that point. With him. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, does this ever happen to you? Sometimes I'll do a study. I'll be going through something, and there will be one thing that is just a standout from that year. And I had a couple standouts this year that even though I've read the New Testament, I love the New Testament. I spent a lot of time there, but they were like, this is what I'm going to hold on to from this year. And one of those things um, was the phrase, take up my cross and follow me. And we hear that phrase so many times that it almost just becomes second nature for someone who's a Christian because it is just so commonplace for us to hear it. And there was one day I was thinking about that phrase, and I thought to myself, it's so interesting because when we hear that now, take up my cross, we're like, yeah, you should— you should go buy a necklace at Walmart, right? You need a gold, a little gold chain that hangs around your neck. You need a reminder of um, taking the cross and and you're going to be for Jesus. And that's what's going to happen in your life now. And I started thinking to myself, you know, when Jesus said that to people in the New Testament, they didn't sell crosses on gold chains at Walmart. They were talking about wooden beams. 
Mm. The, the most cruel form of death the Romans could think of. Um, just excruciating. And also death for the humblest, like the people who were forgotten or an afterthought. When Jesus said, take up my cross, he was talking to people who would look at that and be like, uh, I don't want to do that. Mm. That that doesn't sound like something I want to do. And for them to follow that admonition, that invitation, take up my cross and follow me, that probably required them to sit down for a minute and think, do I want that life? Like, do I want to enter into that kind of a commitment? For me, that's what all in looks like. It's looking at it and saying, I realize if I choose Jesus Christ, that there are going to be miracles and there is going to be great sacrifice. And I am going to learn from the balance of both of those, who he is, but then who I am also. Thank you. I love that example because I think that now, sometimes even just like wearing a cross necklace or a CTR ring, whatever it is, you know, that can be hard and scary for the the culture that we live in. But taking that up is something as well. We all heard you teach from the New Testament. But now as we kind of transition into this new year, I'm so excited to dive into the Book of Mormon. I guess my first question, how in the world did you find the time to write this book in the middle of doing don't don't miss this videos for the New Testament? I do not understand. Listen, you, I, I, we have PTSD from it is the reality because it like uh, honestly, it was like, I didn't, I didn't, I can't even like those days are blocked from, we had to wait. Okay. Cause we did the study journal and the book at the same right. time, but we had to wait for the church to release the book of Mormon schedule. Right. So we would know like, okay, what are they all going to be? And, and the time frame was also double shortened just because of production time. So usually you're writing a book a year out Yeah. and they approached us in April and they were like, do you want to do this devotional book? And we were like, yeah, we want to. And then they were like, yeah, it would need to be turned in. in Yesterday. Yes. Yeah. It was, um, it was crazy. So it seriously was <laughs> crazy because we were studying the New Testament. Yeah. And Trying we were to do those. writing oh. the Book of Mormon all all in the, April might have been one of the craziest months of our life ever. Listen, I kind of was in a fight with the Book of Mormon for a while. Like we just got, we were mad at each other because we spent so much time with each other. Now we're over it. Like we're friends again, you know, but like, it was like, oh my goodness. I was like, we wrote, we wrote the, somehow we wrote the whole Book of Mormon. Yeah. In, in five weeks. And I will tell you this, we loved Joseph Smith double yeah, at the end of because, that. Because like, what the heck? How did he do that? That's what we were like at the very end. We were. We just, picked one verse. From yes. each of the chapters of the and, book. Yeah. And really one line yeah. of one verse. That's <laughs> and kind of did. wrote about it. Like, what was that? like? Uh, and you took turns, right? So, like, yep. I love how you kind of distinguish, because I like to hear your voices in my mind. <laughs> so I like how you put, like, DB, EBF. So that we know. Yes. Um, did you, how did you, did you fight it out about which chapters <laughs> sometimes. you got? Yeah, we, yeah sometimes yeah. we had to. I usually just give in. It's easier. Yeah, that that's really nice of you, David. Uh, that's because I'm only passionate about a few of the things, really passionate, and then I'm not going to back down. I can't. Yeah. So, yeah, we, so we really went through all the chapters. And so what we would do is sit down and be like, okay, let's take 
25 chapters and let's decide our best verse yeah. from each of them. And we agreed on the best verse. Both of us did. Okay. So that part was easy. It's who got to write the best verse. That's where things got a little tricky. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So we just would pick those and they'd be like, okay, now go write. And I found this spot at the UVU library because I'm teaching at the institute there. And in that spot, I remember a kid walking by one time. He was like, dude, are you, why are you still here? <laughs> Never left. And And you'll notice at the end, too, there's a lot of DBs right at the very end because once we got close to the end, I became editor and cleaner (laughs) upper and going through and making sure. And he just had to take over the like last 12 (laughs) chapters or something. Me and Moroni Um, will become good friends. Yes, that is true. So you, you mentioned, Emily, that there are specific parts that you're extra passionate about. Could you give people just a little taste? I'd love for you both to share just like one favorite story that you have from the Book of Mormon. Mm. Um, me I'm first. Getting, I'll uh, go first. Okay, you, yeah, thinking, yeah. I know what mine is. <laughs> okay, um, for sure, mentioned. one of my favorites. I hope we don't pick the same favorite. We probably will, but I'll just back down and pick a new one. <laughs> I'm about to say First Nephi 17. Oh, okay. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> Did you see his mouth? Yeah. He, so he thought that <laughs> yours is in First Nephi too, huh? No. One thing, well, it oh. is, but I'm switching it now. Okay. One thing I love about First Nephi 17, and it's something that we're actually going to be focusing a lot on next year, is Nephi is all of a sudden going to build this boat. And if you look back through the last 16 chapters of the Book of Mormon, do you see anywhere where it says that Nephi was a shipbuilder uh, by trade? No. no. Nephi didn't know how to build boats, but all of a sudden God was like, I think you should build a boat. And he had to like figure that whole thing out. And then not only is he trying to figure it out, but he's got his two brothers who are probably right close in age with him. You know how brothers banter back and forth. And they're like, you can't build a boat. And you know, when people tell you enough times you can't do something, you're like, yeah, maybe I don't build boats. Like yeah. I don't like, even Nephi know if I Nephi had to experience discouragement. Yeah. And his answer to that moment, he comes back and he's like, let me tell you about Moses, right? He's like, "I let me tell you about this. And, and then he starts going through all these, he calls them the great things. That's what he calls them. And God did this great thing. And then he did this great thing. And if, if God can do that great thing for Moses, then why can't he help me to build a ship? And I love the thought of that theme through the entire Book of Mormon, because I think that is true for all of us. If God could help Nephi build that ship, then what can he do for me, right? It just, it's a domino effect. And we're going to see it through the entire Book of Mormon, and we're going to actually track those great things that happen in their lives. But we're going to give a challenge to everyone who's working in that workbook with us to track the great things happening in their lives at the same time as we go through that process. Yeah. I love that. It's like one of our favorite parts of that study journal that we did is, well, really an anticipation to look at it blank. It's like, oh, this is so awesome. It looks so good. But then to see that blank spot of what are the great things God has done for you this week. Like I cannot wait until December of next year Mm. to look at that whole book and review a year of all the great things, you know, that, that, that I watched for, and because I watched for, I think he's always doing mm-hmm. them. Yeah. But it's the practice of watching for them that and I then think writing them and down. writing them down. Mm-hmm. That's gonna, that's it, that's gonna be so rad. I can't wait to do it. Okay, mine's a double one. Is that allowed? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but I love Moroni says goodbye three times at the end of the Book of Mormon, 
and in his second goodbye, which is in Ether chapter 12, because he, he never He apparently knows. does multiple things three times. Yeah, well. Visited Joseph Smith three times too, yeah, right? He just likes to do that. Remember um, the number three is powerful in scripture. We should remember yeah. that. He gives this challenge at the end of Ether 12, and he says to seek this Jesus. And it's a phrase I've fallen in love with. You know, he says that the grace of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit may be and abide in you forever. But he says, seek this Jesus whom the prophets and apostles have written about. And I love that that's at the end of the book. Almost, you almost now want to start over again and say like, okay, let me seek after this Jesus. Let me watch for him. I love that line. Remember Elder Holland in his conference talk when he says, he stands as a sentinel over every page of the Book of Mormon. Like, look for him and, and watch him. And it changed the way I read the book. So here's a verse that I read one, um, I was about to say a thousand times, but who's read the Book of Mormon that many times? No one. It says this. Remember when Lehi's talking to Laman and Lemuel when they've just started their journey? And he says this to him in First Nephi 2. He said unto Laman, when they're at the fountain of the Red Sea, Oh, that thou mightest be like unto this river, continually running into the fountain of all righteousness. And every time I'd read it, I was like, oh, that he's telling him to be good. He's telling him to stop complaining. He's telling him to make sure you always say your prayers and, and pay your tithing, like run into the fountain of all righteousness. And then with that, like, you know, kind of vision in mind of seeking this Jesus, I was like, wait, the fountain of all righteousness, that's a person. That is Jesus. And what he's telling him is like, I want you to be like a river. Like, I, I want you to be in the fountain of all righteousness, like all in with him. That is what I want you to be. Anyways, starting to see, I'm just excited to go through the Book of Mormon with that lens on. Like, where is he on every single page? Where is he doing these, you know, great things? And I'm, it's like, I, like I'm excited for it. Like, I'm thrilled. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm excited as well. The Book of Mormon and I are not in a fight anymore. Like <laughs> we are so thing. excited to <laughs> be with each to. other every <laughs> you week. Live him every week. Is it a him? We don't know. <laughs> I, I I want to touch on two things that I really two examples from the book. So first, David, you wrote something that I really loved. You said Nephi got asked questions from an angel about the Lord. Some of them he didn't know the answer to, but he knew one thing, that the Lord loves his children, and that made all the I don't knows okay for the time being. I am certain if God had one thing he wanted to be sure Nephi knew, it would be that, that he unequivocally and indisputably adored him, that he loved him to the moon, everything else he could figure out later. And I think that is so beautiful. That's one of my favorite scriptures. How is the Book of Mormon a testament of God's love? Oh, well, I'll say something first, and then uh, I, I look the the whole book uh, at the beginning. You will see in the introduction that there's three things in the introduction, and most of us know that the third thing is you know um, that Jesus is the Christ manifesting Himself to all nations. Right? The first two are are so powerful. Mormon writes here are the three reasons I wrote the book. And essentially, the other reasons are, I'm not going to forget you. Like, you, you, you won't, like, I've made promises, and I won't, like, I'm not going to go slack on them. I will always reach out. And the very, like, existence of the Book of Mormon is evidence that he has not forgotten an entire continent and group of people. I love that, like, just w- without even cracking the pages, 
it is a testament that I have not forgotten you. And then as you open the book, every story is about that. Every single story is like, I, I will reach out to mothers and to missionaries and, and to rebels and to servant girls and uh, to boy prophets. I, I'm, I'm going to keep on reaching out and I will not forget you. It's like in the existence of it and in every story of it, that is in his, his appearance, like every part mm-hmm. of it is well, and, screams that. And yeah. right on the tells of that, I love that there are two bookends in the Book of Mormon. And, and this is another favorite part for us of the Book of Mormon. But Nephi starts out in the beginning with an invitation and Moroni ends in the last chapter of the Book of Mormon with the same invitation, which I think is so interesting that that becomes both sides. Nephi in the beginning says, I'm going to show unto you a God of tender mercies, that his tender mercies are over all them, all them whom he has chosen. Almost as if he's like, so you start watching in chapter two, because I'm going to show this God to you. Through the whole book. Yeah, and you're going to see his tender mercies. Well, it's really interesting because at the very end, Moroni says in chapter 10, verse 3, he tells them, if you, um, when you read these things, if it be wisdom in God that you read them, and then he says this line, I would that you would remember how merciful the Lord hath been, mm. right? I want you to go back now and think about every mercy through this entire book. So the Book of Mormon actually becomes a record of the evidence of God working in the lives of his people. It becomes a record of the Lord's tender mercies in the lives of everybody who put pen to paper or really chisel to stone, right? Gold. Um, it, they were gold, gold plates. You um, forgot. They were gold <laughs> or brass or whatever they were. Um, I love the thought of that, that they were like, I'm just, I'm going to write where I saw the tender mercies. And then the next guy takes over and he's going to write the tender mercies. I had the opportunity when I taught a group of ninth graders, the Book of Mormon year in seminary. And I said to them, I want everybody to go buy one of those inexpensive copies of the Book of Mormon, the um, blue. Yeah, missionary copy. Yeah. And I want you to carry it with you everywhere you go. That We just made a commitment. Our whole class did. We were going to take it with us everywhere we went. And I said to them, you mark whatever you want in your seminary scriptures or your at-home scriptures. But in these scriptures, I only want you to mark the tender mercies. And we're going to do it the whole year. And and we're going to look every day. Someone's going to say, this was the tender mercy on this page. And this was the tender mercy on this page. It's been years. Those kids are on missions now. That's how many years it's been. And I, every time I run into one of those kids, and it only happens for that class. It doesn't happen for any other class I've taught. They come up to me and say, I still have that copy of the Book of Mormon. I have it with me. That that watching that that's who the Lord was, that he was the Lord of mercies, and and that he would act tenderly in the life of his people. That was life-changing for them at that time. Well, and I, and I did it the same year, mm-hmm. too. And that's honestly been one of the best times going through the Book of Mormon for me, like hands down. Like it was the most meaningful read of it. And I think it was because this is not a story about Nephi and Abinadi, Samuel and Mormon. It is a story about God. And when you read the book with shifting that focus and seeing him instead of all these, you know, the the people that are in it, oh, this is a story about him. 
that is that's when the book becomes really powerful. Like mm-hmm. there's so many promises about it, right? That the Book of Mormon can bring power into your life. And I think it's when it becomes a, a conduit to see and experience him. That's yeah. when it happens. I love that. Another thing. Now we're so excited to like get into the I Book know. of Mormon. That yeah. just got me really jazzed oh, about it. So David's, David's feeling <laughs> like the the disagreement that he and the Book of Mormon had are get moving further over. and further we're into the now, distance. Yeah, we're now just a distant be nice memory. We are, it's almost Christmas, and we are about to record our the first, first one. Book of Mormon huh. video. So exciting. Go. It's going to be Everyone. cool. But that was cool about saints too, right? Yeah. Like what was cool about saints is it was no longer a story about Joseph Smith and the early people. It was a story about God turning regular people holy turning yeah. it was it that mm-hmm. shifted the focus to him instead of on like this is the story of joseph smith and we love joseph smith but it was like oh when it became a story about god moving among you know yeah. unfolding the restoration when god restored the church instead of joseph restoring it all of a sudden the restoration story became powerful mm. you know so mm-hmm. same thing yeah you know with this another thing that i love in the book and I, I mentioned this before, is that I feel like the thing that I've loved the most about Come Follow Me is that I feel like a change happening in myself. And I love the example that Emily gives in in the Don't Miss This devotional book of a friend who delivered flowers on Valentine's Day in the wake of his breakup, which we all know what a breakup mm-hmm. feels like, some of us more recently than others. Um, and That's a stab at you, boy, whoever you are. <laughs> and Don't mess with our Morgan. <laughs> we've derailed in this moment. Um, but you apply that to a scripture in Alma 61, verse 9, and it's where Pahoran tells Moroni that he rejoices in the goodness of his heart. I have always loved Pahoran. I think he is so underrated. And I love, like, Moroni writes this, like, seething, I almost said email. He did not write him an email. Those were not a thing. But he writes this epistle, and it's, like, tearing Pahoran to shreds, and poor Pahoran didn't deserve it. And then he writes back the sweetest letter. And one of the things in this letter is where he tells Moroni that he rejoices in the goodness of his heart. I love this idea of looking for the goodness in other people and that these Book of Mormon stories will start to make a change in us. Mm-hmm. We'll want to, you know, recognize the goodness in the hearts of those around us. How do you anticipate that this study of the Book of Mormon might potentially change people? Oh, that is so good. I think, first of all, and one of the things I want to do at the beginning of the study and haven't done yet, but this is on my list of things to do, one thing that is really interesting about the Book of Mormon, and we talk about this all the time, is for some reason it is a book of Scripture that comes with a lot of prophetic promise from our modern-day prophets. And you think about Ezra Taft Benson, President Hinckley, um, President Monson— All of these prophets have given us, even President Nelson recently for the women, have given us promises that are attached to this book of Scripture, and why did they do that? And I think to myself, I want to look at those promises. I want to write them down. I want to remember what they are so I can anticipate the, the miracles, the fulfillment of those promises as we go through this year. But also, I love how you went through and said, what did we learn from 
Pohoran. And what I learned from Pohoran, we love taking little phrases and just hooking them to every single person that we learn about, is he's someone who knew how to assume the best. Mm -hmm. He just did. That whole situation happens, and it's almost as if he took a deep breath and he was like, okay, I got to assume the best in Moroni. And he did. He was like, this is my greatest warrior. I love his heart. He is passionate for good. What he's asking, he's not talking about me and my failures. He is looking at the cause of the kingdom right now, and I'm going to assume the best in him and move forward with that. And I look forward to doing that with every single person that we find, with Nephi and with Abish and with um, Helaman and, you know, all of these people that we're going to go through and look at. Like, don't we want to just love those people by the end? And we want to look at them and be like, and this is what Pahoran taught me. And this is what Jacob taught me. And this is what, you know, everyone taught me, even King Noah. There is a lesson from King Noah, and we're going to learn those lessons every step of the way and gather them up, and we're going to be so much wiser by the end. I feel I feel so excited. Yeah. This is such a good conversation. Okay, David, did you have anything to add to that? I can't even remember what the question is, but this is what I was thinking while you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> so if this is not an answer to the question. Don't shoot me, but— I, I just I just keep thinking about how awesome it is that like Bahoran assumes the best. That's what Jesus does. Like the all these people are going to be types of Christ through the whole Book of Mormon. Like we're going to admire them because of the true Bahoran, like who they you know who they really are. Like like Lehi, Jesus leads his family to a better place. Like Moroni, Jesus defends us and fights for our cause. Like they are all going to become these types of him. And and when I just feel like when we're connected and in relationship with him, he starts to rub off on us and we start to act like him, like like some mm-hmm. of these people did yeah. in the Book of Mormon. Well, that's true of any relationship with anyone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's good or bad, like people rub off on us. Yep. And if we spend more time with Jesus, certainly he's going to rub off on us too. As we wrap up, I just have um, one last question, and it's not the question that you're expecting. Surprise. We already answered it. So I was like, wait, you can't <laughs> ask it because uh, we already answered that one. But I do wonder, what does the Book of Mormon teach us about what it means to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, I I, I just think uh, w- one of the things that it teaches is you can see in this book and all books of scriptures like the the faults and like the shortcomings of everyone, except for Nevi, who starts off the book like telling everybody how strong and awesome he is, you know, but like. <laughs> You really can, you can see that God is using all of these people, no matter like what station of life they're in, what their pasts look like, what mistakes they may have made, that you just see people stumbling through it. And all in does not mean flawless, and it doesn't mean perfect. That, And I think that's one of the beauties of the book is like you, you watch people stumble through being all in, and we would still say, that you were accepted, that you were strengthened, that you were, you know, uh, you were, God walked with you, you know, throughout this, you know, not despite that, but probably because mm-hmm. of your stumblings is why he was there. And I love that about the book. It just shows that being all in doesn't mean that you have to do it flawlessly. 
and, and, you know, perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And my thought was going to be exactly the same. So that is so interesting because my thought as I look at it is that God will use ordinary people. That's where he does his best work. And that's what the Book of Mormon is going to show us, that he will come into an ordinary life and he will invite you in to do extraordinary things that you probably would never think about doing on your own. What mom sends her son into battle? You know, you, you look at Nephi sending, who's never fought, who's never even seen a sword or held one in his life. What mom does that? You think about Nephi building that boat. You think about all of these people who the Lord walks in and he's like, you think you're comfortable right now? Let me show you what I have in mind for you. That's what the Book of Mormon does. It's ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that's what the Lord will do for us, for every one of us. He invites us into that same relationship. And I love what you talked about. And He doesn't expect us to be perfect in that. We we meet a lot of people. Um, We have a lot of conversations with people who watch Don't Miss This. It's one of our favorite parts Mm -hmm. of doing Don't Miss This. We see you in the grocery stores, and we see you at high school basketball games, and we see you in movie theaters and at airports. And everywhere we go, people are talking about just the experience they're having in the Scripture. And hands down, the number one comment we get is people who say, my my son watched the videos and he's back at church, or my husband um, is back, or my daughter, or I had a girl grab me at Trader Joe's yesterday or a couple days ago, and she grabbed me, like grabbed my arm so tight. It actually scared me a little bit right when it happened. And she just started crying. And I looked at her and she she just said, thank you. And she could barely get it out of her mouth. And then she said, you you saved me. And she's like, like not like, I don't want you to think dramatically, but I was leaving the church nine months ago. I was leaving the church. And you have introduced me to a church I didn't know I believed in at the time. And I think it goes back to exactly what you're saying is, we didn't really do that. But we opened up the scriptures, and somehow through the scriptures, she was introduced to someone she had never met before in a way that she had never experienced before. That's what happened. And that's the power of Scripture, is it comes into ordinary lives, and it says you don't have to be perfect to have a relationship with God. You don't have to be perfect to be all in here. We believe that Mm -hmm. with our whole hearts. You just have to accept the invitation to be a friend to Jesus. That's it. That's That's all these people did. They accepted the invitation to be in relationship with Christ. And that's when miracles start happening. Thank you. Thank you both so much. This has been such a treat. And here we go with the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon. (laughs) A huge thank you to Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler for joining us today. You can find Don't Miss This videos on YouTube, but also this year, be sure to get your Don't Miss This study journal on DeseretBook.com so that you can follow along all year and pick up your Don't Miss This devotional book with a verse from each and every chapter in the Book of Mormon that you don't want to miss. Okay, I'm going to stop saying don't miss this now. Thank you for listening, everyone.